We then got contacted directly by the agency who was doing commercials for United Airlines. They asked us if we'd do a commercial for them. Um, and we, I mean, we couldn't believe it. We had gone from being like dead broke, sharing petrol money with each other to just see each other just so we could work on this project to suddenly getting a budget. We could set up a studio um, and we created a um, commercial for United Airlines. Robert Redford actually did the voiceover for that one. Uh, we had the New York Philharmonic Orchestra doing the music and it really, yeah, it came out really, really beautifully. What I love to do is tell a story and it doesn't matter what the medium is that I use to tell it um, as long as the story gets told. And I think that's something I've been doing. I mean, you you were at school with me, and I, you know, I was already doing the sort of storytelling when we were at school, um, sort of creating these fantasy worlds and um, characters, and trying to work out, you know, who they were, <laughs> where they come from. What's your life story? Welcome to Inspirational Interviews with Jen Rod, where you will discover everyday brave hearts connecting with their truth. Find out what inspires them to do what they love, how they got here and why they never give up. Be inspired by these stories to create your beautiful life with your host, Jen Rod. This was such an awesome interview and I can't wait to kick on straight with the interview. Uh, Cherie, as you heard, went to school with me and yeah, she's always been a phenomenal artist. Um, you know, when people just connect with their truth and do what they love, you know, it shows and she's just always been doing that since she was young and um, yeah, she's just always followed that dream you hear in the in the interview she's never actually worked for anybody before because well she says she was too shy but I think you know when you're so connected with what you're doing when the path suggests that you can just keep developing it on your own then then you do and you can and a beautiful story super super inspiring um, for me there's so many tips that I've taken away from the story so yeah we'll kick in with that um, in a minute before we do that, two things. Um, as you guys know, I interview. So anybody who's needing an interviewer, just send me an email, jen at inspirationalinterviews.com. I do interviews all over the world. So yeah, if anyone needs an interviewer, then uh, let me know. And then also, as most of you know, I've started a life school where I'm only offering one program, which is helping people to connect with their truth. You can look up that program at jenrod.com. And if any of you are interested or need more information, just send me an email, jen at inspirationalinterviews.com. So guys, without any further ado, let's kick on with Cherie Trewick. Hey. Hey, Cherie. How are you? Fine, and you? Cool, man. Good. Let nice me just... to see your face. I know. <laughs> so this place where you're staying now is, yeah, tell me what your what your setup is. Well, um, the spot, um, the cottage is just like this little cottage in the middle of nowhere on the Cape Point. It's like right in Cape Point, on the edge of Cape Point nature, is it? Yeah. Um, and it's so nice, man. It's just feels like we living back in time, you know. And yeah, just lovely to have access to 
just walk around under lockdown. It's really nice. I've got my place in the city. I just got permission to come through for a couple of days, pack up a whole lot of work stuff to take back to the cottage. So I'm at my place in the city for tonight. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you kept your place in the city because weren't you renting it at one stage? I think I remember you had it on the market or something. I go out of the country so often um, mm. and I try to go to Indonesia for um, sort of every year and a half for four months at a time. And then over that period, I was renting it out. But now it's so full of sculptures and special things that I stopped doing that now. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a lovely place. It's really like a magic place in the city. Where exactly yeah. is it in Cape Town? Well, um, you obviously added, you don't give the address, but I mean, just like where, which yeah, area? Yeah, it's like like an Adderley Street. So it's like the oldest street in Cape Town. It's yeah. the, the street that used to connect the harbour to the company gardens. Well, it used to be actually a, a stream. Um, so it's beautiful. It's got all these like old buildings that were built in the early 1900s. And, um, you know, you just walk out your door and there's loads of coffee shops and our studio's just a block away from here, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, Cafes, nice. huh? <laughs> you speak yeah. to an Amsterdammer. <laughs> when you say yeah, you walk out yeah. the door and there are lots of coffee shops, it's so weird. Like my mind already is like, uh, no, not coffee shops, cafes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking about how you, how, um, how it must have been for you adapting to living in um Amsterdam and learning the language and all of that you know what you just you just get on with things you know mm. I mean obviously mm. you you experience the the challenges of it but um yeah I mean you, you know when you move to a country I guess your reasons for being there just subliminally justify things so you just get on with it but obviously it's, sure. it's obviously it's hard you know when when it gets you when it comes to your professional expression then it you know for you mm. you're an artist so mm. you just mm. kind of you do what you do in your art mm. form and mm. language isn't going to affect that for me it's communication so yeah 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 from that perspective then it really did have an impact for me you know because you're so yeah. used to speaking on a high level and then suddenly yeah. you're in a country where the high level is now in another language. That place in, in Cape Point, whose is that? Um, we rent it from the farmers. Uh, it's it's a little cottage on a farm. And the um, what's quite special about it is um, the the farm's never been used for commercial farming. Um, it's a it's a nursery. It's a Good Hope nursery. Mm. So right at the entrance, they um, propagate um, plants, and they've got this like really lovely nursery that just specialises in indigenous um, plants. Yeah. Um, and then um, the rest of the you know the the sort of wildflowers and the fauna that's on the rest of the farm is absolutely mind-blowing like you just go for every 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 walk you go on you discover something new it's oh, it's so special so um Ozzy Ozzy rents that place and yeah it kind of started as a, a weekend sort of getaway and now it's now we just can't seem to come back to the city we yeah. just love it so much so now yeah. you actually can't get away from it 
Yeah, I know. It's wonderful. Like you go, I mean, before lockdown, we're going um, snorkeling in the ocean there. And like, it's a marine reserve just off there. So the amount of sea life you see is just absolutely incredible. And um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's part of the country. You kind of, the more you get to know it, you just fall deeper and deep, deeper in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, because you're from Coxstat, mm, mm. which is now, that's Natal, right? It's not the Free State. No, Natal, yeah, yeah. 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 So, you are used to that sort of platalant uh, country style of living. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it definitely, it's ingrained, ingrained in me for sure. And I mean, Coxstad is it's such a beautiful place. So right, it's it, our farm up there borders East Brookwelland and um, Natal, and it's just this beautiful mixture of like rolling hills and uh, like fiery aloes. Um, really, really beautiful. So let's since we're now talking about your your home, where you're from, let's tell our listeners. Let's let's just. Tell everyone who's Cherie Truik. How how would you describe yourself? <laughs> um, well, I originally started my career as an illustrator, um, and then I got into animation direction um, and um, working with sculpture as a medium. I've published a few books, um, and I think, like, essentially. Um, what I love to do is tell a story and it doesn't matter what the medium is that I use to tell it um, as long as the story gets told. Mm. And I think that's something I've been doing. I mean, you, you were at school with me and I, you know, I was already doing, doing the sort of storytelling when we we're at school, um, sort of creating these fantasy worlds and um, characters and trying to work out, you know, who they were and mm. <laughs> where they come from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's, you know, the, it all started very organically and it's it's something I ne- never really questioned. It was, you know, since I was a kid, I always just wanted to do this. And, um, yeah. So, because are you, aren't your parents artists or your mom or someone was mm. creative also in your family? Yeah, my mum um, is an artist, a ceramic artist and painter, and my grandma um, was a watercolour painter, and her twin brother was also a very well-known wildlife artist. Okay. And then my dad um, always, always told us stories, you know, every night he would, he, he, like, he made up this whole um, story about a man called Diamond Jack that used to live on our farm, and um, he would hide things around the farm and we'd kind of come across these artifacts of Diamond Jack and it became such a legend. Like the Cub Scouts used to come to our farm to like check out where <laughs> Diamond Jack was from. So I think the storytelling was also very inspired from my father. And my brother my brother does um he he, he works in a similar well, a similar vein to me in that he also tells stories and develops worlds, but he, he works in virtual reality. And it's just quite interesting. Like both our, our childhood definitely formed what we both do, and um, and this fascination of of storytelling. Yeah, and when you say yeah. your grandmother, that's your mom's mom, huh? Yeah. yeah. So who was yeah. her? Just because some listeners, you know, might be curious, but who was then your grandfather? Um. So my um, grandmother was Joan Bastard, and my her brother, who was a wildlife. Um, artist um, was Gordon Cunningham. Okay, and you say he was a, a famous uh, wildlife. 
Yeah, he did. He did. He was an architect and um, wildlife artist. Mm. And I mean, often at game reserves around South Africa, or um, he also did sculpture, like bronze sculpture. Mm. So often you'll come across his work depicted. It's depicting South African wildlife. Um, when I was a kid, he used to actually write me these wonderful letters from Betty's Bay, where he he would illustrate the letters. So he had told me all about. Like the the little frogs that live in his his, his arum lilies and the mongoose that would come to the garden and he formed it you know it was just this lovely story and each letter just told more tales about the the different creatures in his garden which was always so oh, lovely. Oh wow, to get. that's so yeah. it's, it's so funny because you you know you're talking about that and you know mm. for for you guys listening now so basically Sheree and I went to school together we um. Yeah, we, we went to boarding school. It was an all-girls boarding school. So we kind of saw our parents, well, some of us saw our parents every weekend and some of us saw them maybe once a month or twice a month or whatever. But um, yeah, you know, in those days, hey, Cherie, we used to get letters sent to us. I mean, I remember, mm. you know, how beautiful is that? Like you paint that picture mm. and I can mm. already see you receiving this letter with frogs in yeah. it. And <laughs> yeah. No, it was so lovely, hey, if you didn't, that, that, the moment you got that letter during that little break before lunch was so great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's funny because actually <laughs> I used to get, um, that's so weird, you know, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like my heart is smiling now listening to this, you know, because I used to get um, fresh, well, like obviously fresh, but I mean, they were, they were couriered from Cape Town, but I used to get cookies from my grandmother, you know, because she was a baker. So it's so funny how you got these, you know, fantasy letters. I got these cookies and, you know, what a book. Yeah, wow. And how amazing how it sort of creates your life also. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey? It's, it certainly does. Yeah. And tell me, did that, um, so it's because at school, yeah, you, you, hmm. you were, you know, you were known at school for being, I mean, you were the, like one of the best artists at school, at our school. And, um you know, did did getting these letters also from your from your grandfather did they influence your work as well? Do you remember that or recall that? I think they influenced me in that um, it makes you look at things in a different way. It make you know you you take time to wonder. You know, he he would tell me why that frog is in that flower, and you you look at things a little bit differently and you see the connection between things a little bit differently when someone opens that up to you. Mm. And I, I know certainly, you know, staying at the cottage, um, we've got all these, all these lizards um, around the cottage and I just can't get his voice out, out of my head while I'm there. Like every, all the little lizards have names. Now you start to watch their actions, like how, which ones are more territorial than others. And it's certainly, uh, yeah, did did shape some of my thinking, but I think also, you know, having I used to paint with mum and gran all the time. We we're always in the art room together, and um, and just getting that early encouragement. You know, my mum like she she knew how much I loved I loved to paint, and she always encouraged that, and um, it certainly sort of helped my confidence and in, mm. in, um, in forming a career around art. Yeah. And mm. so for, for those who haven't seen your work, how would you describe your work? Um, it's been described, I think my favorite um, is a, a, a magazine once described it as uh, Hieronymus Bosch 
meets what was her uh, meets what did they say it's kind of like a yeah like a surreal Hieronymus Bosch um but maybe a little more well definitely a bit more quirky um I remember when I first moved to Cape Town it was it was quite a conscious idea um that I had when developing my current style I always loved um detail and um I loved sort of craft work and especially sort of old biblical illustrations um and I kind of at the time I was watching a lot of manga and I kind of wondered what would happen if I if I put a contemporary twist onto this very onto very decorative art mediums and I kind of started playing around with that and and that's how the style got formed um so I think, you know, it's very intricate. Um, I try, had lots of stories within stories. Mm. And um, in all the illustrations, you can see that everything is connected. You know, I'm quite conscious of, of how the environment connects with the characters and everything. It might look random, but everything serves a purpose and everything, um, you know, if, if, if that world wa- suddenly became real it would function and and um it has it has real real world laws applied to it um so as fantastical as it is it's it's still rooted in reality wow that's amazing i love how you say that i mean that's like you actually just yeah so i mean obviously i'll put a few of your pictures up on on the site and you know on my instagram Mm -hmm. page and you know Mm -hmm. so people can see this but um it's so amazing how you talk about that everything is so interconnected and it's everything has its purpose and um, that if it came to life, like it would function mm. beautifully, it would mm. function perfectly. Mm. That's, that's how, how, like, how does that, how did you come into that sort of mentality of creating a picture that would come to I, life? Or is it that, mm. yeah, are you also interested think, in I film also? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, of two things. I think, first of all, um, because when I start drawing a picture, I, I never, I, I, when, it, when it's my, per, my own personal work, I never really have a plan. I kind of just start with the doodle and see where it goes, mm. and it organically um, grows into something. And often I'll, I'll fill like a whole few pages with these doodles. I'll be like, oh, cool, I like this character. He would look cool here. And I start, you know, I start forming a narrative around them. Um, and then also because a lot of my work is set in very naturalistic, organic settings, um, you know that that helps. Uh, like it, I don't, it almost feels it, it feels like the artwork grows like a garden. I yeah, I don't know if I can. Explain yeah, it that kind than of that. can make sense if you if you refer to it as like a garden or sort of this, yeah, you know, just a magical like a, um, like a heaven. <laughs> yeah, in a way. <laughs> But I think it's also, you know, it's that. But then when you're drawing, you're like, oh, cool. What's this character's doing here? Oh, he's having a picnic. Oh, yeah, you know, it's kind of like like instead of writing a story, I'll be writing it with um, with illustrations. Mm. So so that kind of helps bring the purpose in. Yeah. But then also um, I do obviously work in animation and, you know, like um, – when we, we we do commercials um, for for lots of different brands and people come to us specifically to build a world for for them so they come and they you know we did um, for example a, a campaign for clover milk 
where they wanted us to um, create Trover's factory in the Milky Way. Mm. So we wanted to create this really enchanted, fantastic, magical world. Um, but what we did, first of all, is we looked at Clover's production line and um, all the processes their milk goes through, um, how they, um, how milk is turned into butter, how it's turned into cheese, and, and then we designed characters around that. So if you ever look at the campaign, you're going to be like, what, where, you know, where did this come from? But then you'll see each of those characters has a practical purpose. And actually, if milk was being made by a whole lot of psychedelic characters in the Milky Way, mm. these characters could actually do their job. Oh, my God. So, that is, that's you know, like, so it's also rash. Yeah. That's like Charlie <laughs> and the Chocolate Factory on acid. <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, I think mm? no. So, I mean, how do you? Because you talk about obviously the commercial. So, I mean, it's interesting because you're an artist. You, you know, connecting with companies like Clover. You know, you're very much yeah. then in that commercial corporate world. So, yeah. it's an interesting combination. And um, well, it, I'll tell you how it started, and it will probably make a little bit more sense. Mm. Um, so. I think it was in 2006, um, I created a short film with um, two friends of mine, Janice Hendricks and Marcus Smith, mm. um, and we called ourselves the Blackheart Gang, um, and we created, none of us studied animation, um, but we, Marcus is a musician, Janice was teaching himself After Effects, and I was painting, and I was just starting to teach myself Photoshop. Mm. And we all met up and we decided we wanted to make a music video for Marcus and we we're going to do it over one weekend. We're just going to teach ourselves um, these programs and, you know, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> after after one weekend, we had a, um, a, a worm that flashed from blue to yellow. So we're like, okay, this isn't going to take one weekend. This is going to take a lot longer. <laughs> one worm. Um, <laughs> one worm. We had one worm. Yeah. Um, and we ended up working for nine months, um, Janis and myself, creating a film called Ringo. Um, and another friend of ours joined us, Peter Mintz, who, who ended up bringing some 3D into the project. Um, and this little film, it, like, it developed a style that we would um, later, um, you know, that we'd be able to explore in more depth. And it also, um, like, it, it was really cool. From not knowing, it, it, it allowed us to teach ourselves how to use um, these different programs. And then we decided, cool, let's do another project, but this time let's give it a proper narrative because Ringo was really about a, a funny little character that was late for a date and he just ran through all these fantastic, marvelous worlds um, to to meet a little a little girl at the end yeah so the next project we did um we would later call it the tale of how and again it was nine months um and we worked we'd meet up at like six o'clock in the evening and we'd wor work until two three in the morning every night and every weekend for nine months um because we obviously needed to um to you see know, bring in bring in money during the day i was i had a little clothing label back then and yanis was by then working at a um at a production company mm. and we made this film and then we we 
sort of we didn't you know there was no short film industry in South Africa um, or there was hardly an animation industry in South Africa um, and we put it online and suddenly got started getting requests to send it to different festivals and the next minute it just went crazy like we we won um, uh, best film on the Annecy Film Festival which is in France and it's kind of like the Oscars of animation mm. Um, and from there, we had about two years of traveling with the film, going to different festivals, and we then got contacted um, directly by the agency who um, was doing commercials for United Airlines, and they asked us if we'd do a commercial for them. Mm. Um, and we, I mean, we couldn't believe it. We had gone from being like dead broke, sharing petrol money with each other to just see each other just so we could work on this project yeah to suddenly getting a budget we could set up a studio um and we created a um commercial for united airlines um robert redford actually did the voiceover for that one wow um, we had the new york philharmonic orchestra doing the music and it really yeah it came out really really beautifully can you still um, see this on online yeah, you can see it um, on our website, tulipsandchimneys.tv. Um, it's, it's up on, on there. Cool. Um, or if, if you just Google United Airlines um, Sea Orchestra, you'll, you'll find it. Okay. Um, and I'll put, your, and, well, I'll, put, I'll put everything on the site so you guys listening can go check it out on my site and connect with Cherie's website. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, we signed up um, – with some agents um, in the UK it's called Strange Beast mm. and we've been with them ever since and we I mean we get amazing work through them we've done a lot of game trailers um, and you know the, our, our, um, in the background while we've been doing all this commercial work what we what we've really been working towards is develop as a feature film um, and we've had a few ideas in development and um, I'm not able to say anything about what the film is or anything but we've actually um just signed up one of our films and and we're in pre-production for that so yeah very exciting and can you say um, who you've signed up with or which company it is or um actually not too sure so i'm not going to say yeah. anything now but okay I'm, I'm sure it's going to be released in a couple of months um but yeah it's 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 uh it's with a company in the states and yeah we we incredibly excited it's such a it's a project we've been working on for in the background for like seven years so it's wow. been a long time coming and um yeah but excited. so was this a project you were working on are you still with those two other guys um, we, we, we work together, uh, the two other guys, I'm just, uh, Janice and Marcus, we still, um, we still do projects together. We don't have a company together though. Mm. Um, my business partner is a, um, lovely girl called Nina Fafa. Mm. And yeah, we've, we've had the company together for quite a little while now. Mm. So when you say you have the company, are you both artists? Um, Nina's a producer, um, but also does animation direction. And um, we started Tulip. Yeah, we've been working together for about, sure, I don't know, more than ten years. Yeah. Um, and we've got a great team, like really, really incredible team of artists that we work with. Um, and yeah, it's we very fortunate. I think we're fortunate in that. Um, 
you know, our work, our work started coming to us because of a personal project. Yeah, amazing. And we we really get such interesting work coming our way. It's yeah, we we're very very lucky. So talk to me about the process. Like here you are, you're an artist. You know, you draw pictures on paper mm-hmm. or paint. Mm-hmm. Um, how does like just tell me paint the picture for me in my mind how it goes from paper onto a computer and, and then turns into film like how, how does that process actually work well it's always different depending on what we're doing but how um so say let's let's take um we've just done hendrix gins we do uh, hendrix gins last two campaigns right mm. and that um you know, we might do little sketches and stuff on paper, but we've all got Cintiqs at the office, which are like digital drawing tablets. So just like you draw on paper, you draw um, on the on the screen with oh, a pen. Okay. Um, so, you know, otherwise otherwise you draw and you scan in, which we also, I mean, I, I, still, I still love drawing on paper first. Um, so whenever I'm designing, I draw on paper and then I'll scan it and then I'll color it in Photoshop. But most our artists draw directly onto onto the Cintiq. Mm. Um, and what we do, like you design everything up front. So all our, you know, you well, what usually happens is we'll get a brief in and then we'll um, we'll kind of plot out the script, we'll do storyboards, we'll do all the designs. And then once that's approved, depending on the technique we want to use to do the animation, we then pull a team together. So we've done everything from stop motion to full CG to um, 2D animation, and it really change. You know, it, it depends. It depends what technique we do um, that that team then then exists. Yes. So, but our core our core design team um, is is usually the same core team and then it's um it's it's specialists we then pull in from there Mm. okay so basically when i mean you just explain out to me so you will Mm. do it on paper first you'll scan it and then you'll color it on photoshop and then basically with all the software technology then you're able to get these characters to move and do stuff or yeah, like like it, like um, the Hendrix Gin ones. That, that's all done in a program called After Effects, mm. um, and it's almost we 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 almost build it like you'd build a theater set. So it's all in layers, right? And then you can move those layers very similar to how you'd I don't know move move puppets in a way. Mm. Um, and then um, with stop motion, you you build like a real little set, and then. You know that you you move certain elements frame by frame, but even our our pieces that we have done as miniature sets, we've always had uh, CG main characters. But what we do have um, is some making of videos that I can send you links to, and then that can that will actually take you through. Um, I can send you United and our Baker's Biscuits commercial, and that can take you through the whole process. Of, oh wow! Of how you do a two D and a and a um, CG miniature sets commercial yeah cool mm. yeah so i mean and, mm-hmm. yeah yeah what were you gonna say i was gonna say then it's not you know like like even though it, it seems like a different world like doing doing the sort of animation it's not really that different to the fine art world where 
um, like with my my own project um, that I've been working on for quite a few years is called um, the Postcards of Militia. Mm. And that's this world about um, a society of lemons that are that is colonized by a society of bears and they are at war over honey. <laughs> and that story I've been um, exploring through sculpture, through paintings, um, and most recently through stained glass, where I've been collaborating with the stained glass artist, Annika van der Merwe. And it's really, I mean, it's, you know, it's the same thing. You, you come up with a concept, you come up with a story, you do, um, you know, work out all the color palettes, um, and then find the best partner to, to uh, Collaborate. bring that to life. Mm. Mm. So <clears throat> is this the one that you just did? This is the one you did in LA, right? Didn't you, wasn't that an assignment also? Or didn't, yeah. are you allowed um, to talk about that or not? I, I can't talk about that, but that was another, I was art directing. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to know that there. because I'm on, I'm on the private <laughs> WhatsApp listing, but yeah. I'm sorry, I can't share this now. <laughs> Um, no, but that 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 wasn't the that wasn't the stained glass. Um, that was that was um, art direction for a, another film, um, which I was doing in LA. Is that so the, the film same, that the, you can't talk about yet? That that's another film. I was I was helping someone else. A different film. film. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! You're full of secrets. Okay, I'm gonna have to ask you full when I turn when I turn off the the recorder. <laughs> uh, um, no, but but if you know for mm -hmm. for those you know for those listening who are interested in this in this world of yours, they can, they'll be able to sort of follow you on your Instagram and they'll they'll mm -hmm. find out sort of within due course what these projects yeah. are. Yeah, certainly, certainly. There's a really really lovely project actually to follow on our um, on Instagram. It's called the Lost Botanist. Mm -hmm. And that was a virtual reality project that um, we did in collaboration with Eden Labs, which is my brother's company in Johannesburg. And we did a virtual reality um, project together, which was also featured at Annecy last year. Wow. And um, that was really, I mean, Rick and I, my, uh, my brother's name's Rick. Um, we've been wanting to collaborate on something for like 20 years and we, we eventually were like, this is it. Let's, let's do this project together. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's quite a, a lovely one to explore. And so what, quite a bit on, what hmm? can I picture with that? I mean, I've, I've looked in a virtual, I've been in a virtual reality room. I mean, so what can I picture with, with, with yours, with that project? So what? What made this quite different is Eden um, customized the headsets. So instead of, you know, when you when you put on a virtual reality headset, it, it can feel quite weird putting something over your head. You feel a bit claustrophobic or trapped into it. And what we did is we created these masks that you hold up um, to your face like you'd hold a mask at a mask ball. You just you hold it in one hand and mm. you've got one hand free. And these masks, they look like artifacts from that you've dug up in some like Egyptian pyramid or something. They look really old, like these wow. old bronze artifacts. Um, and then you hold it up to your your face and um, the experience starts. And um, this book, this old book, which actually was a photo album that my uncle gave me and we 3D scanned that. <clears throat> and the book kind of tells you what to do in the experience. Um, and it's kind of a, a little game of 
hide and seek in a way and that you have to look for certain characters. And if you stare at them for a while, um, it unlocks um, them to speak to you or it opens up a next chapter of the story. And you go down this enchanted waterway into a fantastic garden. Um, and it's kind of this, yeah, it's this very dreamlike um, experience of, of the subconscious. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. So is, and this the sound, the, is, this mm-hmm. the, is this the Lost Botanist? What, what's this one now? The, the 3D? What's it called? This is the last button us. Yeah. 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 So, and then can I, how does it, I mean, like I'm listening to you now talking, can I order this? Can, how do I get it or how does it work? So at the moment, it's just been doing the film festival run, which um, is obviously on pause for the time being, yeah. but it's, um, so, so we're just traveling it around film festivals. So people have been able to view it at film festivals. Um, but we will be releasing it at some stage where people could could then download it for their headsets. Okay. Um, but yeah. Oh, so you can download it if you. What do people have their own headsets that they download into? Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. But you just yeah. promoting it with these beautiful old looking headsets. Yeah. Yeah. And for now, you know, for now it's not available to the public yet. Um, it's purely purely on film festivals. Mm. Um, but yeah, that will will change at some stage. What the headsets or all the software? No, Obviously, no, I know no, the software is uh, not available. No, no, but... just 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 our just our project. We, yeah. we you know it's still kind of um, in its in its um, early stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me, you know, being an artist, you know, it's very much like to live in that world of being an artist. It's a very sort of spiritual world in a way. You're very connected, you know, with your universe. Um, how, how does it work for you, like to then step into the commercial world, you know, to step into the corporate mind from being in this artist mind and then into the corporate mind? Um, I don't really find it much, you know, like I think because people come to us for, for something so specific, um, you've got to, we really do like immerse ourselves in any project that we're developing so yeah, as soon as you're wor- working on a project it's you know you, you're creating something from scratch you you it always feels like you I don't know you're giving birth you know you're yeah. making and um and it it becomes absolutely time consuming you know you just like that's that becomes your world for a while mm. so you know it's 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 I don't really feel like I need to wear different hats I feel like it's um you know, I, I can kind of just be be myself um, mm. when I'm doing a commercial or or when I'm working on personal projects. Yeah. Um, and I know I know that's that's not always the case, but I think it's I think it's because um, the projects that come to us, you know, they are so creative and um, they're coming to us for something that we we specialize in and um, something that comes very naturally to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's nice, by the way, how you talk about that these projects come to you. You know, it's beautiful how they are attracted to you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I mean? Like you're not going out there looking for projects. Mm. Yeah, I know we've been very lucky. I mean, there's times where you're like, oh, you, we need to like push ourselves, you know, like um, market ourselves a bit more. But we, we really 
really have been lucky. But I think it's also, you know, we, we're constantly creating and constantly in motion. And if you if you become stagnant, then I don't think those things would come to you anymore. Um, Interesting. Like, I love how you mm-hmm. say that because, um, you know, that's what they even talk about, the law of attraction. You know, it, the law of attraction sort of theory is that everything has to be moving all the time. So it's a very interesting comment that you're making that we're always busy because, you know, I heard you earlier, you were talking about how you were developing your own projects and actually all of these beautiful experiences that have come to you have started from the back end of you just doing mm. this this hobby project of yours with those mm. friends till two mm. o'clock in the morning every day, mm. you know, and mm. it's through this constant movement that these amazing things are happening. So mm. you almost not feeling like you're you're ever standing still because mm. you, you're never standing still because you're always, mm. it's like your lemon project, you know, with the mm. honey, um, you know, that's your own project that you're working. Mm. That's like your own project, mm. you know, mm. and how yeah. it's so inspiring for people to think of life that way to, you know, it, people live in such a, you know, such a lineal world in a way, you know, where they have their job, they come home, they eat, they go to bed or they watch movies, they go to bed, you know, mm. or they, they, come home, whatever they go for dinner, you know, come back home, go to bed. But it's always like the wake up, go to the job, come home kind of scenario, you know, where, you know, our society is sort of as a whole programmed in that way. Whereas you don't see life like that. It's really beautiful. Um, mm. You're constantly in a project. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I'd say the stuff I do for fun is still a project, you know, it's still it's yeah and and I think also when you're creating you never know when you're gonna when you're gonna do that thing that just makes something that much better so um you get scared to stop you know (laughs) like yeah you have to sometimes force yourself to to step away from things but Mm. um there's just so much to do and to explore and yeah so what what do you mean by that that you you get scared to stop like well, I mean, like at the moment, um, like I, I, I'm, I'm working on a, on some commercial projects, but then I'm also working on um, the postcards and militia in between. And it's hard to sometimes take a break. You take a break and you're like, oh, what if I don't come up with, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just get, I, it's just, there's just so much to do and it feels like you're going to run out of time sometimes. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess, and also sometimes you also, what I, what I love about working on my own stuff is, you know, with commercial work, you've always got a deadline, so you have to do something and submit it, um, to a schedule, Mm. but when it's your own stuff, you can kind of get lost and just like really doodling and see what happens and then try it again. And, um, and because you want that that time to mess around and mess up and um, do things that you're not happy with, you like like you, you need to make time for that. You know, mm. you almost it's like you need to make time to 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 have time to <laughs> just doodle and yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. But how do you how do you um? create that for yourself how do you know I mean I guess obviously you've got a deadline so that speaks for itself a deadline's a deadline Mm. so you need it at Mm. a certain point but how do you you know because even though you're doing these creative things you you can still um 
overwork yourself because it's at mm. the end of the day it's a commercial exchange that's taking place mm. so it puts a certain mm. element of pressure on you mm. Mm. yeah like i mean with the with the commercial work we like we do tend we do stick to uh working hours okay but with, yeah. with, per, with personal work it is it is different. We've we've got a, like a lovely um, drawing group um, in Cape Town. That's it's a bunch of uh, close friends of mine, all girls, and we get together once a week, and everyone takes a turn to host a dinner and draw. And that's always such a lovely evening where you're just sitting there with you, you know that's that's a lovely evening where you're socialising, but you're also kind of coming up with ideas and brainstorming without the pressure of having to finish anything mm. and that's uh that's always always lovely yeah and then wh what I do with my personal work is um you know that when I do go to, to Indonesia I, I go there to work on on sculptures mm. I've been collaborating with the Indonesian artist um for about your 15 years on yeah. on sculptures mm. and I really take that time um because the time difference is is um uh, three o'clock Indonesian time is when South Africa wakes up. Mm -hmm. So that gives me the whole day to work with the sculpture artist, to design my own work. And then by the time I need to um, to work alongside the company, um, it's three o'clock and that goes into the evening. And it's so quiet there in the evenings that, that you want to, you, you know, it's, it's nice to be, to be working with the South African team then. So that's, you know, and, and because I'm there for three to four months, I really like just immerse myself in work and it's quite hard the first two weeks because it's almost like putting yourself in, in a weird isolation. Yeah. Um, and the first two weeks is always hard and then something suddenly I always feel like I just break through into a different zone and and it just becomes like the most rich, lovely time and and what I developed there usually lasts me like almost a year, you know, I can like mm. the stuff that I've started developing there, I can finish it off when I'm back here. And, um, and I am, I am quite strict in creating structures for myself. I definitely, you know, like, uh, my mind might be all over the place and, uh, you know, I live in my imagination, but I, I definitely create quite strict structures, um, for myself. Mm. Um, to make sure I get get things done. Where do you think that discipline comes from? Um, I don't know. I think I think earlier on it might have come from because you know it's really hard when I was younger to like the thought of how you'll ever make money off art. Or I just remember when I left fine arts, I just did it like I couldn't imagine how you would actually get paid for making stuff. Mm. And I think the discipline started then because I, you know, I just, I just felt like I had to make it work. And I, yeah, I just like, if I didn't keep doing something, it was, it's not like it would ever just come to you. And I mm. think also when you, when you are doing a working in, in a sort of creative field, like the one I'm in, um, you, you do have to motivate yourself and, and also because I've never, I've never actually worked for someone. I never got a job. I kind of just started my own businesses straight away. Yeah. Um, probably because I was too shy to actually go get a job. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But um, and you know you have to be motivated. You have to, you have to, you have to be strict with yourself. Um, otherwise, you just yeah, you you won't you won't get things off the ground. Yeah. Um, and yeah. did um. 
did did school uh how did school influence where you are now um i think um do you remember mrs taylor yeah yeah the art teacher yeah yeah she she definitely she oh she was amazing she i loved her so much and she definitely inspired me and encouraged me and remember she gave me like keys to the art room in a little corner that I could go into in the evenings and work there mm. um and I'm actually now I, w- I work with her daughter really closely wow um, we work on a lot of projects together which is lovely mm. um and I mean I, a lot of people don't like boarding school but I actually thought it was really fun I mean we're a bunch of kids with our friends all the time hey yeah yeah (laughs) and um yeah I I think you know when I was when I was in junior school we didn't um I went to a convent in Coxstad which um didn't offer any sort of art classes so when I went to Peter Maritzburg and to Wickham and suddenly you had like full-on art classes that was pretty amazing yeah um yeah so did she and did your did your style get influenced from school at all or was that completely because your style mm. is is super unique to you mm. I think my style got influenced more from like a early exposure to um myths and legends mm. and artifacts you know my parents um restore um cottage furniture and they they've always loved antiques and I think, you know, like my, my aesthetic is very, very influenced by the surroundings I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the natural world, you know, on all my sculptures and stuff, like all all my colors that I pick, the patterns that I pick, it's all, you know, I look, I look at the natural world and I look at it through a, you know, through a microscope and I see those patterns. Um, so I think, you know, even though it looks very decorative, the the natural world is is very much behind it. Yeah. Um. And then of course, my first trip to Indonesia, I was um, I think I was 21, the first trip I went there, and that that just blew me away. And there's, you know, there's there's a definitely a little bit of a. a Where in Indonesia, Sheree? Um, I go to Bali, um, mm. and I I work up in Ubud. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a like I felt when I went there for the first time, I felt like I just walked into one of my drawings, and that's that definitely has mm. influenced my style a lot. Um, and you know, it's, it's still it's still uh, being influenced and changing. Um, it's yeah I hope, so, I hope I get better <laughs> well it's not I mean mm. yeah it's funny how you say you hope you get better but I mean if you mm. look at like all the great artists drawings you don't think mm. do you know what I mean like over time you don't look at Van Gogh's drawings or or um oh gosh I'm thinking of artists that I like um my my I'm I'm really enjoying Julian Schnabel at the moment because I love his I don't know if you know him but I just no, I don't I, know. I, yeah. what I love about his work is that it's just it's so diverse like mm. you know like each drawing is com- not drawing paintings he would also paint massive paintings and most often outside he would paint so a lot of his work yeah. is, is being done outside um, but anyway, it's, it's just, it's all completely different. But my point really is, is I don't know if you could say better. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I don't know if you can measure it that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. It evolves. It evolves. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. um, 
just to quickly go back to Bali, because you talk about these sculptures. I mean, mm. what's your, so this is your project. And mm. I mean, I've seen sculptures of all different sizes. So what's, the, mm. what, are the, what is it brass? What sculptures? Um, it's actually wood carvings. Okay. And they painted with acrylic. Um, and then we finished them off. They almost look like ceramic when they, when they finished off. Okay. They've got a lovely, lovely um, shimmer to them. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, so how it started was that first trip that I had in Bali. Um, you know, I just, it felt like I was in this fantastic world and the religion there is Hindu. So all the, all the paintings, all the sculptures, um, they, you know, they're all telling, um, the Hindu stories. And, um, I had, like I just had this idea like what if I were to create this fantasy world and I collaborated with artists um, from Bali who are working in these mediums that you know it's it's been passed on from generation to generation mm-hmm. and that we actually tell a different story and then um, after I did t- tale of how I um, saved up a little bit of money and I went over and I um, I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to meet, I'm going to find an artist to work with and create some sculptures with. Mm. And um, I thought, you know, I only had six weeks there and I didn't know how I was going to find, find this artist. And it was also, you know, quite a specific style I was looking for. Um, and I caught a taxi up to a bird um, and the taxi driver said, where am I going to stay? And I said to him, I don't, I don't really know. Can he, does he have a friend who's got a homestay I could stay in? And he was like, yeah, he'll drop, drop me off at a friend's place. And he dropped me off and I, uh, I decided to stay at this place. And I walked out and I'd seen a puppet like um, uh, the day before in another town. And I'd, I'd, when I saw it, I'd been like, wow, if I could find the person that painted this, this would be like the, the most epic person to work with, right? Yeah. But the guys selling it didn't speak English and I couldn't, they couldn't figure, they couldn't give me any details. Um, and I walked out of the little homestay that I was staying in and there on the pavement was um, Okada painting this puppet like the same puppet that I'd seen a few days the day before and at the time like I didn't speak any um, Indonesian he couldn't speak English and I went and I got an Indonesian English dictionary and we worked out these um, sculptures together and communicated with this dictionary and that was the first uh, yeah that was the first collaboration we did and then you know every year I got it went back the sculpture would become a little bit more complicated we'd experiment a little more and as we've come to know each other's styles and know each other's strengths it's just you know every sculpture just gets better and better um and I was selling them for a while but then I just thought you know the the like there's so much love and time and it's such an adventure making these pieces. And I I started dreaming like rather than selling them, I'd love to build a museum where this museum tells a story. um, And I collaborate with people that um, are are like specialists in, in different, um, different crafts and art techniques. Mm. So yeah, I started off with the sculptures and now obviously the stained glass, um, uh, I really want to create a carpet and um, get a Persian carpet made one day. So, you know, it's 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 all self-funded, so it's, it takes time. And obviously mm. I do it in between things. 
But um, you certainly walk into my home now and um, you walk into a story and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, like I, I see, I see that the house now as the shelf for the sculpture. So all the sculptures are actually just little pieces that are going to make up the bigger sculpture, which I'll probably never finish because it can just grow and grow and grow. But yeah. That's... And when you say to make all these, so how big are these little sculptures? Um, they're different sizes. One is as tall as me, the biggest one. Um, some of the smallest ones are probably um, 60 centimeters high, but um, a lot of them are big, like a meter, over a meter in size. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, you know, all, I'm just looking around the house now. There's like in every corner, there's, there's different creatures watching me. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, and it's really cool. Do they, you and ship them? Do you ship them back or do they, how do you get them to you? I mean, are they hollowed out or are they solid wood? They're solid wood yeah. um, and I ship them back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, so when you say to make then eventually to have a big sculpture, meaning as in a big display and that would make up one sculpture. Um, even more than that, I, you, you know, almost how, how I was explaining the drawings to you, how you, you kind of create a drawing yes. and then you're like, oh, cool. What's this guy doing? I'll let so um, all these all these sculptures come from the same world, and they um, their stories interact with each other. So the way I place them, the way um, like like uh, eventually, and already you're getting that feeling. But what I'm seeing eventually is that walking into my house will be like walking into a 3D illustrated page, if that makes sense. That's amazing. And you're gonna you're gonna walk into a painting, and you're gonna be able to meet all the different characters, and they're going to be, you know, they're standing in that place for a reason, and mm. because that's that's their, you know, that's where they fill in the story. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And tell me, you say to have a like, it, um, it's it's super cool. I mean, it's like, it's. It's, I mean, okay, so it makes me think of this place here. They've got this place in one of these, it's a famous place here, one of these towns or cities here in, in the mm -hmm. Netherlands, you know, where you, you, you walk into a miniature city. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've heard about it, but anyway, no. um, everyone goes there. It's a huge tourist attraction, but it's almost yeah. like, you know, it makes me think of that just on a commercial level, you know, I mean, people, mm. you know, would definitely <laughs> want to come yeah. into this little world of yours but I mean would you yeah. see this in then to have it in Indonesia or would you because you talk about the locals collaborating in, in their unique talents or would it mm. be in Cape Town or or no, would it be I'd, a moving I'd, I'd see, like a moving exhibition no I see it actually in uh, in Cape Town in in this house um you know the sculptures are so big they're so hard to move around mm. but what we've been doing is um We've had um, my boyfriends in travel, um, and we've collaborated on a few um, dinners where people people come, you know, family will come here, and um, we bring in a chef, and the chef themes the dinner to the lemon bear story. Mm -hmm. So every course in every course of the meal, they're eating a little bit of the story. It's flavored by different characters. Um, and people people get to experience this museum. They get to taste it. And then what I do is I um, give a talk on animation and the process of animation. Um, I've got a projector here with a screen, so they 
they get to see the you know the whole experience of of how how these worlds mm. are created um and that's really fun you know? uh, I, i've and got a huge smile on my face i'm thinking like <laughs> are you freaking kidding me like why do i live in the netherlands i can't even like pop over and experience i mean food <laughs> is my life uh, creativity is my like this it's it's so cool what you you know this life that you've created is like it's all come from your heart you've literally just yeah you've you've just really followed your heart no, thanks, man. No, I mean, it, I think it is, it's just, you know, like we are talking earlier, it's not where it, it's, it's life, right? It's just what you do because you love it. I don't know. It's, it's also the things I love doing. I love having people around. I love entertaining. I love decorating and I love collaborating with people. So it kind of comes, you but, know. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. It's mm. all the things that you, mm. that you bring together that you love. Mm. And, and tell me, mm. have you ever had you know, just have you ever felt insecure about yourself or, I mean, you spoke about being shy, which is maybe why mm. you, you know, you, you never really applied for a job, but um, mm. have you ever felt, yeah, just insecure, unsure, um, afraid, uh, all these things? Uh, always, man. I think, I think actually, I don't actually know, like a lot of my friends in Cape Town are absolutely amazing artists mm. and, not one of no everyone is insecure everyone just because you can always see the faults and you know you can always see where you can improve you can always see the things you like like I think I think to like insecurity in doses isn't a bad thing because it pushes you to you know it it actually pushes you to push yourself in Mm. some ways um, I think, you know, being shy and being insecure are two different things. Like I, I'm shy, but uh, I'm quite like I'm happy with myself and I'm confident, like quietly confident. Mm. I just, you know, I, I do, I do when I walk into a room, I always have like butterflies in my stomach for a bit before until I kind of settle in. It's just, you know, so that I think I was just born that way. Um, but I think also shyness is an interesting thing. Um, I, I mean, I was extremely shy as a, as a younger a younger person, and I think over overcoming that, like overcoming shyness, is such a big thing that once you overcome it, nothing else seems that scary anymore. Mm. And it really, you know, that was a big thing to to like be able to speak out, to be able to. Um, it's even sometimes project it like you might still feel shy inside but if you can just you know like break break a lot of people don't think I'm shy because I am quite sociable and stuff um but it's it was something I had to very consciously break and work on and I really I really feel like like sometimes people that are shy might end up you you're almost more confident later just because it's the hardest thing to break through. And once you've broken through that, it's, it's, um, yeah, everything seems pretty easy. Mm. But what, how would you, what's your definition of shy? How would you describe shy? Oh, um, like, how can I give an example? Okay. So if I still to this day, if I walk into a meeting, right. Mm. Um, I'm always nervous. I walk, I get to a door and I don't know how to open it, which way to open it, because 
like my mental, the, the door is going to lead me into a room that I don't know what's behind it, that I always get a door stuck. And then as soon as I leave that room, my adrenaline has been pumping so much that I leave the room, I completely have lost, I lose sense of direction, I walk the wrong way, I walk into things. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. So I've got, I've got this crazy fear of doors. Not, not my own doors, you know, my own doors or friends' doors that I know, but other doors just freak me out because I'm Seriously? like, oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's retarded. It's, when I was in L.A. now, like, you know, in L.A., everything on the street looks so boring and so, I don't know, L.A. is such a weird place. But then you open a door and it's just the most fantastic world beyond that door. And every L.A. door, it's just like, oh, no, it's not going to open. It's not going to open. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting. I mean, that that's your that's your perception because and that's obviously your you know that's your own sort of quirky yeah your own yeah. quirky um description of shyness because i mean not everyone mm. else has the same no um, no definitely not yeah you no. know the same sort of door story but it mm. is interesting actually how the fact that you're an artist painting all this magical world yet you have this thing with doors and what's going to be behind the door? It's that <laughs> I think it's, I guess because you you see things in such a fantasy way, magical way that you, yeah. I mean, what does it do to your brain? <laughs> what doors or yeah, just that 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 whole yeah. idea of what's behind the door. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's just really silly to be honest. It's like as soon as the door opens, I'm fine. And as soon as <laughs> but um yeah, I think I think shyness is a very hard thing to describe, you know. I think it is different for everyone and um yeah. Um and also once I'm comfortable with people I'm no longer shy anymore, you know. It's mm. just a it's a yeah, I don't know. Still, still figuring that one out. But I'll tell you this: I don't think I would. I think part of what I do, what I do, is probably because you know, like I love. I can sit for. I, I love my own company. I can sit drawing for the whole day without, you know, and time just flies. Like I think, um, and you know, I need I need that time alone. It's it's very. Mm. It's where very you get your energy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I mean, a shy person's not just going to get in a taxi in a bud and say, take me somewhere and can I stay at a friend of yours house? Yeah, but no, they will, you see. that's um, And also traveling, like I, I, I started traveling alone when I was really, you know, pretty young. And mm. that's, that's the thing that pulled me out of my shyness because you, there's no way you can, you have to, you have to just go like, man, I'm going to do it. Like mm. there's like, a, and my brother too, my brother was also extremely shunned and he traveled a lot and, and that's, that's how you broke it. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think traveling was our cure. Yeah. And tell <laughs> me, Cherie, who's your favorite artist? Oh, there's so many. Um, she's, I'll tell you a friend of mine. One of my favorite artists is a friend of mine, Lindsay Levendahl. Mm. He is absolutely amazing. You should definitely check out his work. Okay. Um, he grew up in Cape Town, um, and he's now living in Canada with his wife. Uh, he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I love the pop surrealists. Um, yeah, the whole movement is is really cool. And 
Yeah, Bosch obviously is, uh, he's he's always been quite an inspiration to me. Have you seen his work in the Netherlands? I haven't seen it in the Netherlands. I just saw one of his artworks in the um, Henry Stanley Museum in in the UK, in London, which was really cool. Because he's got that really famous one with the sort of the three-tiered. Yeah, yeah. Which I've seen oh, a while ago, I'm actually. I'm so but, jealous. I would love to see that. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, when the that. minute you said his name, I could. It, it is interesting, you know, t- to associate your work with his. In, in mm. I, I get it, you know. Mm. 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 Uh, yeah, no, his work's absolutely beautiful. And then just on the on the movie mm-hmm. side, like you're into sort of this animation. Or do mm. you like animation or? You know, my my favorite movies as a kid, like, were The Dark Crystal, The Labyrinth, um, The Princess Bride, um, Legend. Legend was amazing. And I think, you know, those were all, like, these 90s epic – it was, like, this – such epic fantasy and so emotional with such incredible soundtracks. And I think – you know that that sort of storytelling I I really really love. Mm. Um, but I actually don't watch a lot of animation myself. I I prefer making things to to watching things. When I watch stuff, it's more like documentaries or thrillers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a bit of an ex- I think an escapist from what I do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about this. Um, uh, the, uh, what's because you've got so many projects you're working on the tale of now or what's it called the tale of how the tale of how so this is your own project mm. um what are your like do you ha- are you somebody who has like a sort of goal plan in your life um i do definitely have uh thing i definitely have goals but the way i get there and the and what they turn into i'm open for them evolving mm. um but things like the tale of how we, when we made that we wanted to publish a book and then after the film um we did publish a book on the tale of how so that is a, a book that and is it a, what like. kind of book is it it's a um, like a hardcover sort of illustrated book. Every every page is a big illustrated plate. With like a, a coffee section. table book. Um, yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it's not huge, um, but it's yeah, it's like a coffee table book. Um, and it comes it comes with the film as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, I definitely you know I've got I, I know where I want all the 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 postcards of militia um the illustrations are forming a book another book that I'm working on. Um, I would love to turn postcards of militia into a puzzle series and um, and just manufacture puzzles. Because Which one was the stra- postcards of militia again now? So um, that you can see on my Instagram, and it's very it's very detailed drawings um, of the lemon um, mole and bear world. Uh, and we've made some once-off puzzles on it, and are, they are the funnest funnest puzzles to do. Like even me, who who obviously work on the illustrations building those puzzles i'm like oh wow i forgot about this yeah it's, it's so much fun making those puzzles so um yeah that's definitely something i'd love to so do just sum up sum up for me quickly like these the main the main projects and what the names are because i like to rem- like have this in my head okay so let's just say tulips and chimneys 
is the is our the company. production company. Yeah. Mm. Then postcards of militia is um, the sculptures, the stained glass windows, and the new book that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And then tale of how is that first film we did that we turned into a book. Okay. And that f- the film was, um, is that not the one that went to the festival or? Yeah, from the, from the Tale of How, yeah. And was that Ringo or? No, that was Tale of How. Ringo was the music video we did before Tale of How. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and now my, my new dream <laughs> And I don't know when I'll do this, but it's because I'll, it'll be a little, anyway, the new thing I want to do is I really, really want to build a stained glass cottage one day um, and work with Annika on that. And yeah, I'd love to have a little place in the country, like where are, where the cottages that we rent now mm. and build a little stained glass studio where um, you look through the stained glass and the landscape actually makes up part of the story. So that's that's what I fantasize about when I'm falling asleep. <laughs> wow, but then that I mean yeah. that will be like just your own studio. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's amazing how it's it really it I find this super interesting, Cherie, how you you you're drawn to creating these worlds for yourself um as opposed to to being drawn to create a world for other people or, you know, because you're an artist, I say the world, mm. the word mm. world, but mm. so many people are constantly striving to develop solutions for the outside world. Mm. Whereas mm. you're creating, you're constantly striving to create worlds, fantasy worlds for yourself. Mm. But then mm. through that comes, you're, you're attracting than commercial exchanges, you mm. know, other commercial mm. projects. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, with our, you know, we've got the film going now and stuff, and I feel like I feel like the creating for other people is is fulfilled already. And what I what I love about creating stuff that is for no one except me is I don't have to worry if anyone will like it. I don't have to worry if it's fashionable. It's just it's purely just letting like creating something that I want to make and I can experiment and it's, you know, there's no, there's no pressure from anywhere else. And I really feel like that's where the magic comes, you know, and that's Mm. where I'm sure like after these stained glass pieces, we'll probably get some stained glass commissions, you know, but we wouldn't get that if like, there's something, there's something very pure when you're creating something just for creating it its sake i don't know if that makes sense but yeah, I, totally i just yeah i love i love that i don't have to answer to anyone and it's it's kind of like experimenting you know it's kind of and and some things fail i mean i've tried stuff where I, and it's just looked awful like mm. <laughs> so um and that's just just part of the process so but i mean yeah. what does it ever come like what is your mental relationship with money how would you describe it um, I, like, I still can't believe that I'm making a living. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, like, my, my business partner is, is absolutely amazing when it comes to um, handling the financials of our company and everything. So, 
my relationship with money is quite um, like I don't have to think about it too hard. Um, I think when it comes to myself, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not someone that um, like just spends money or like I'm, I'm quite, uh, I'm not overcautious, but I'm not like flamboyant either. Um, mm. But it's, yeah, it's something, I don't know, it's something that I, I feel very fortunate that that things have worked out and I feel fortunate with the partnerships I have and I feel very fortunate that I don't have to think about money because I would do everything for free and I would <laughs> still be a very you know like it's it's definitely yeah uh, like I, I I find it very hard to put value on things mon- monetary value on things I yeah. find it very hard but you yeah. do have to so how like I mean you do have to put monetary value on things to to live Mm, mm. yeah you do <laughs> so so how do so, you do that well like in a in a, in a business setup my um, business partner does all the quotes and oh really all, all so you don't get things. involved yeah. in that yeah she she runs things by me but I just I just I just trust her like honestly money like for me I, I, I find money so abstract I can't I cannot wrap my head around it I just can't I can't yeah I really can't wrap my head around what things are worth mm. yeah interesting that huh mm. be amazing to go into a living picture come world of Cherise about the relationship of money I'd it'll love- just be foggy <laughs> it'll just be really <laughs> foggy <laughs> Oh my god, there'll I love be, that. There'll be some like magic gold coins that some dragon's protecting and some little fairy, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah, money is a very very abstract thing for me. Wow. So I Cherie... often think I often think like, you know, people are always like, "Oh, would you go to Africa burn and stuff?" I feel like I'd rather go to Wall Street and that would be like my <laughs> like release from real life, from my real life if that makes sense. No, what say that again? Like, you know, people often say to me, like, oh, you should go to Africa Burn. You'd love it. It's so creative. And yeah. It's like the last thing I want to go do. I, I, I think I would love to go to, like, Wall Street and just watch what happens. You know, for me, that would be, like, escapism from our world or more interesting for me to follow than, yeah. Interesting. Um, that, um, interesting <laughs> that you come up with that, actually. I mean, I get that, actually, because... I I get that because the whole Africa burn world is um how would you describe that world? Um gee, I don't know, but it's not you know it just doesn't it's just not something I, I, I that appeals to me very much. I think I also used to be involved in festivals and stuff when I was younger, so I don't like for me uh, like I don't know uh, this no, but the creative, the creative soul, the creative soul doesn't yeah. get the inspiration from festivals. The creative nah. soul gets the inspiration from from people, like, but not in that in that context. But from the, it's like you say, it's the real world because Wall Street is something that's happening that hmm. human beings are um, have created and are living yeah. on a daily basis and they're also not fully aware of exactly what they're doing so it's yeah. like it's a whole psychology and dynamic that is completely fascinating i understand yeah, what you mean no, so for sure, for sure. um whereas you know africa burns is 
well, in a way, it's not fascinating because it's people creating costumes to go and to mm. escape. But yeah, mm. I understand that mm. dynamic, mm. you know, that sort of mm. contradiction. Mm. Um, mm. So what, what sort of um, tips and advice would you give to, yeah, to people out there who not necessarily want to be an artist, but you know, who just want to live a fulfilling life. Like you live such a connected life with yourself, you know, like everything you talk about, even to the point of the fact that, you know, the commercial exchange of it, you, you almost so detached from it because the thing that you do, you love so much, mm. you know, what advice or tips would you give to people who want to try and sort of connect with that same energy within themselves? Mm. Yeah, I think it's so different for everyone, right? Like like every personality is so different. I think, you know, when it comes to like logical stuff, I still think the best if 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 we if we hadn't made the tale of how and I hadn't been involved in a person like in pushing myself to create a personal project of something that I really wanted to explore even though it felt impossible at the time. If it hadn't been for that one project, my life would be completely different now. You know, maybe it would have mm. been so. You know, I don't. I, I can't imagine like that. That one project sent everything on such a different tra trajectory. And that was that first film you made till two o'clock in yeah. the morning. Yeah. 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 And I, I, whenever I speak to you know, when I get asked this, this question in terms of um, in the context of animation or film, I always say like, do that like do that project you know fine and and also collaborate with people you know nothing you know for me for me all like there's been such special people in my life that i've collaborated with and they've brought strengths that i would never have to a project yeah um and it's i know that it's it's sometimes really hard to find like when you find those collaborations you know it's so special like sharing that sort of energy exchange with someone is you know, it's, 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 it doesn't always come very easily. And when you find it, it's, it's something like quite sacred and something, you know, and it, it doesn't mean it has to last forever or those partnerships have to last forever, but it's, it's definitely something to value. Um, and just, I, I want to go in there quickly because that is, mm -hmm. that is very uh, important um advice that and I've heard that also recently with another woman that I interviewed Mildred Hofkes and I mean she then works in a whole different world to you you know she's in the corporate world and um but that was something she spoke about is the collaboration and finding people to to work with that believe also in that that project but so I mean just on your level you know you're an artist let's think about um you know, people working from home, you know, maybe a lot of moms out there who work from home or have their own businesses or, or fathers, you know, not fathers, but men who have their own businesses or, um, you know, they're a one-man show, okay? Um, they're thinking, right, to, but to collaborate, they need to hire someone. They need to pay them money. They need to, you know what mm. I mean? It becomes like, mm. oh, my God, you know, to find someone to help me, how am I going to do mm. that, you know, like mm. – um, you know how yeah. how do you see that? Yeah, no, like it's a it's a very tricky one. Like you can't you can't expect people to have the same passion in a project as you do. And um, 
you know, paying someone for their time is, you know, it's something like if I if I think of our studio set up and all the artists we we collaborate with, um, you know, there is there is a transaction happening. It's not okay. Like, yeah, it's not no, but like, that's good. I need to make that clear mm, because mm. you know this is always so vague for people. You know, mm. obviously you've built up your business now. Um, what do you call it? What do you call your? What you don't call it a business, or do you say my business, or what do you call it? Oh, we call it our studio. Okay, so you've built yeah. your studio up, and you know you're in a position to to already sort of put down salary, not salaries, but. Um, mm contracts or whatever for you know the people that help you so your collaborations always have a pre-agreed um, contract in place financial contract not always like for sure like all our in in terms of in terms of um the work that we do to make money that's that definitely mm. but then there's always you know like um last year i did this awesome collaboration with a, a, another artist inca she's a, a visual artist and she does projection mapping and um it was her myself um and uh, another friend of mine philippa who um, has a passion for succulents she's got a, a instagram called check my plants yeah and we basically created this um garden in my apartment with all of philippa's succulents and then we had my sculptures placed along amongst it and um, then we did projection mapping on it so we had all these animated elements like coming out of the succulents and stuff and we put on, it was just an exhibition for one night and we did, you know, all of that, everyone did um, out of love for what their speciality was, you know, and we yeah. invited friends and we had a, another friend who did food and that was, you know, that was collaboration in, in a proper, in its proper sense where it was just like, let's do this to see what we can do together and it wasn't for any financial gain so it wasn't you weren't charging people to come in it was purely it was purely like invited we invited people and come experience this this magic garden you know and the same you know with with ozzy and i doing things it's yeah ozzy being your partner huh just yeah 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 yeah. like like your 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 your, as in your lover partner not your business partner yeah yeah, no but just because yeah it's nice to paint the picture sure um and even even with my brother and I when we started out the last botanist um you know that was just like we we just wanted to see what we could do together so sometimes you just find and that those are the those are the partnerships that are so rare to find where two of you get excited two or more of you get excited about just trying something and trying to see where it will go and seeing if you can do it and mm. there's no like the purpose what that becomes is different to the actual creating it and being there together that's a, it's a, it's 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 a different thing like like and and that's also that's when you go into the unknown you're like where you know what is this going to mm. become like we don't know let's just try and and th- those that th- those are those are those that that's like magic relationships and yeah. where where the magic can really really start yeah and then because you yeah. I, I interrupted you earlier but then obviously with Aussie that's when you get people he's got the travel company getting people into your home and then you do those dinners and yeah yeah, yeah. having the courses yeah. related to yeah. your sculptures yeah. um yeah. I think really Sheree wow you are such an inspiring person I mean I've always admired your you know your 
your gift for the, you know, for art. And, you know, obviously, you know, when you're at school, um, everyone talks about everyone, you know, like everyone knows what everyone does. Everyone knows what everyone's good at. You know, everyone, everyone knows everything about everyone, especially in an all girls boarding school. And, you know, you were always like the brilliant artist, right? <laughs> so if there was ever anything arty, like you were definitely, um, I mean, there were a few other good artists, so I don't want to say you were the only one, but you were definitely like, yeah, you were one of the best artists at school. And um, I've always admired that talent that you have. But, you know, hearing your story now is, it's, I really get a, a, an understanding also on, on your essence. And I think one one thing that really, um, yeah, that, that just moves your life in such juicy, beautiful, creative ways is the fact that you are constantly moving. It's this, it's exactly what you said at the beginning. It's a fact that you are constantly developing something, um, whether it's for money or not. Uh, it's this, you're, I, I'm trying to, th yeah, because I'm now speaking to you. I'm like half my head's in this creative world. You know, I'm seeing all these pictures in my head of this, these, your style, because I know your style. But, mm. um, you know, your something so beautiful to take from you. If everyone had like one sort of essence, you know, that projected out of them like an aura, you know, yours is definitely, um, for me, huh? It's definitely the fact that you're just constantly creating something um mm. and it's it for, for money or for, for for not it it doesn't matter it's the fact that you're you're always evolving with something and I think that this is why you have so many beautiful experiences and opportunities that come your way mm. um you know whereas other people are always waiting and they're waiting for uh, for the you know the phone call where it's going to change their life or they're waiting for mm. you know the right opportunity to come their way and mm. you don't you, you you're creating things exactly and like you say oh let me see where this will go who knows mm. it's just it's mm. going to be fun you know mm. Mm. no it's, I mean it, and it is it is fun like honestly I think I think the creating is way more fun than the finished product like it's it's definitely definitely I mean I, I'm sitting here I'm looking at one of my sculptures as you're talking and and the whole process that went into that you know like every motorbike ride to like check up on him like then the wood were you know it had all these um wood borer in and oh. injected with baking powder and like the whole adventure of uh, you know, even the hard parts of making something are so, like in retrospect, like yeah, they they also so necessary, and you you really feel like you you know every hurdle you get over, you feel like you've accomplished something. Mm. It's, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you cool. you're looking at also very much in terms because you're an artist, you know, and I believe I always say this in in all my um, episodes is I really believe everyone's creative, you know. We as a if you're a human being, you're creative. It's just that you maybe didn't you know have the right sort of direction when you were younger or whatever. But every human being is creative by nature. Um, but you're able to literally not you're able everyone's able to but you do literally create something you know whether you create an experience mm -hmm. like you talk about with the succulents or um also these experience nights with with your partner mm -hmm. Ozzy mm -hmm. or 
um, mm. or your actual sculptures or your paintings or whatever, you're always creating mm. something. What mm. about people? Mm. How, like, how could you sort of, because we're talking about giving advice, like how could you mm. in your creative fantasy mind, like mm. give advice to people who aren't in this creative world, but mm. where they can also get out of this mentality of waiting for something to come their way um, and rather like you just constantly be busy with something. Mm. Do you know what I, do you know what I have? I do have a bit of a trick. Sometimes when I want to do something like today, I said to you, I want to make a Persian carpet, right? Mm. I say it out loud because then I feel if I don't do that in a certain amount of time, then I would have lied to you and I put that pressure. I don't know. Okay. It's so subtle and little, but I, I do sometimes just feel like if you say something out loud, it helps you follow through with it yes. because you've said, you know, you like that's the first step to making a plan, right? Um, yeah. I love like, that. But um, I know that's just such a little thing. But, no, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a trick that a lot of people know works. It's interesting you said it, and I'm, I'm really grateful that you said that. Like, you know, it's just such a simple little bit of information that you shared with me now. And um, it, I've, heard, I've actually heard it also, you know, this other guy interviewed who started his own little tiny coffee bar and he specifically wanted this tiny coffee bar and everything to the last sort of detail on the wall is something he visualized. But again, he also talks about say it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. But that's interesting that you even know that it's a trick that you need to to sort of play on yourself in a way. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. No, you do. But also, I think it's also, you know, a lot of, I think the, the thing about, it's so daunting when you, when you think of an end result, okay? So mm. say something like, um, okay, let me take one of these dinners, for example. Like it, it can feel so daunting to be like, this is what I want to do, and you're seeing the end picture. And it's actually, it's, I think, again, it's kind of like planning stuff and doing like all the little steps. And then the thing, the thing at, that comes at the end, it's always going to be a little bit of a surprise. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's not being daunted by your end, end vision because that yes. will change a little and that will evolve a little. Um, but, but, you know, having that, that one step to be like, okay, cool, I need then to get a chef in and I need to do this. Okay, who do I meet up? Then you have that, you know, and, and every, like, like when you break things down, it's just becomes so much more manageable. And then it's, yeah. Then I guess that also comes in with time management and being a little bit strict on yourself. And, you know, and even though like a lot of people think being creative is just sitting and being lost in your head and like, you know, like you see in the movies and you're throwing paint around and stuff like that. But mm. it's, it's actually not, it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's also, kind of setting these little milestones and setting up plans and um, strategizing, yeah, you know, to yeah. use a sort of yeah. commercial word. word. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, it is also interesting what you say is not to focus then too much on the end vision, because I think that that's so much about what people are uh, being advised to do is about focusing on the vision you know the the stronger mm. the vision is then you know the more like I get that as well you know in terms of having a vision about what you want to achieve in life um but 
I also understand what you mean in terms of really allowing for you know allowing yourself to take that first step. Um, mm. You know, people over visualize in a way, and then you start sort of over analyzing, and then you kind of um, you demotivate yourself then, right? Because then mm. you see all those steps that need to be taken in order mm. to you know to get this mm. thing off the ground. Mm. Yeah, mm. and also if it's not working out the way you planned it, you know, like. Even sometimes when I do, do drawing, like, you, like, like if you sometimes the mistakes actually turn into the things that are going to be cooler down the line. You know, mm. it's it's um, not also being thrown out because things aren't aren't working out exactly like you thought it would. Yeah. Um, when when you you know when you're in the process of building or creating something, um, yeah, because I think you know you. you you can, you can, if you, it's funny, like you, sometimes you, yeah, you can get uh, def deflated if you're too much of a perfectionist immediately. You can always perfect it, you know, as it's coming together, but yeah. So then is it when you're, when you're creating, okay, like for the Persian carpet, for example, mm -hmm. again, I know it's for people to get their minds into it, you know, I'm, I'm mm. trying to sort of think for everyone when I ask these mm. questions, you know, like, well, I mean, the questions are just coming from my heart, but, you know, I'm always mm. sort of understanding that, you know, everyone that's listening to this, not everyone is an artist. So, um, you know, I paint so I can, I can sort of relate to that process. Like you talk about often the mistakes are, you know, where, you know, the, the most amazing things actually start to come out of the mistakes. So you can relate to that as an artist, but what about in, I don't know. What about if someone's not an artist and they are, mm, I don't know, um, want to sell something as a product, you know, have a business mm. as a product, you know, then mm. it's kind of a different. It's, mm. Yeah. Look, I think it is. And I think like there's no, uh, there's no right or wrong way to do anything. Right. Um, but I think again, it's just taking those, those, little steps yeah like, yeah and um and also not giving up stuff takes a long time you know it's easy it's easy when you look around you, you kind of see someone and you're just like oh, they were just an instant success but it's like you know every everyone's story is never instant it's it's um like it's easy to to kind of see see the blossom or the fruit that comes from something um yeah. and you don't see the whole you know the whole backstory mm. yeah. and so just um just in terms quickly like you talk about the collaborating like for you you would never be where you are today unless you collaborated because everything you've yeah. been doing uh, that's, yeah. I mean, obviously your, your, your project in Indonesia, you go, but you still collab, you mm. go alone, but sure. then you end up collaborating yeah. there. Like you're constantly, mm. there's always a collaboration going on with you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But the, the, the thing that helped you was the fact that you just started with two other friends where within that, none of you were getting paid. And I think that, that mm. you know, that's – how old were you in that? Um, I think 24 or 25. Yeah. And so now yeah. now you're nearly 40. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah you know, it's, uh, it's the fact that you were – you know, you just did this project 
for free to start and that's what mm. you know developed into something mm. but again it's always that sort of collaboration mm. Mm. yeah and i i definitely you know like and, and also like our collaborations are also if i think about it most most the collaborations are very small you know it's it's very intimate it's really getting to know a person it's and um and it's not like you feel like you like like when you keep things small you kind of just add on to each other and you do something you pass it on to something they pass it back and they've just added something you would never think about you know and it's it's yeah. really really cool yeah Wow, um, Cherie. So, well, it's hmm. been it's yeah, it's been so stunning to to talk with you and to really like get into your like psychology also, you know, of how you work and um yeah, just it's so beautiful to hear how someone's just so connected with what they do and is so motivated by yeah, just by by that simple connection, you know, with yourself. Um and um yeah just uh, thanks for letting me have this conversation with you oh it was awesome chatting with you thanks yeah. for all the questions <laughs> you made me you made me think i'm gonna need to <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah cool man awesome. well i think i'm very i'm still very curious about that whole the whole money thing and the whole wall street thing i think there's something in there for you there's a project <laughs> looming i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> Cool, Cherie. Awesome. Well, um, okay. yeah, we'll be in touch. I'll, I'll awesome. obviously let you know when, when, when the podcast goes live. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll just keep speaking like we do uh, either on our school apps or uh, yeah, awesome. just the well, two of enjoy, us. Well, enjoy your afternoon. Yeah, and thanks, man. Are you yeah. going back? Because today's – did you sleep there last night? Or do you go back? Yeah, I'm going back tomorrow. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Another night in the city. Yeah, you're gonna need um, to try and find some alcohol somewhere. Oh man, it's just uh, yeah. I, I I do need to go on the mission. I thought I would come home and I'd find like a bottle of wine hidden in some back cupboard, but not. I, I did not hide any <laughs> wine anywhere. <laughs> it's all drunk. Oh my gosh, this Corona is really like. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. And as he went to a storeroom, even I was like, he's definitely going to have whiskey in a storeroom. But he, he's got vodka, but I, I can't. <laughs> no, we'll just drink it like little neat shots. Then it's, um, yeah, you don't maybe. feel too much like a student then. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Uh, cool man alright well say okay. hi to Ozzy for me and we'll, we'll speak we'll again yeah okay. bye how stunning was that interview Cherie thank you so much for coming uh, I want to say come in, coming into the studio with me but of course you weren't in the studio um, thanks for joining me on the show it was just super cool to yeah connect with you and find out about your professional life and uh, find out how well you've done and it's just so awesome when people go out there and do what they love and just let let life work for them let life flow and and do projects because you love them and through that attracting you know more and more of what you love you know the typical law of attraction there um, yeah so it's just awesome to to feel and connect with the essence of what makes you tick and you know, of what's brought success into your world. You know, certainly that that notion of keeping the ball rolling is something that will will stick with me 
And I just love that idea, right? Because I mean, if you're doing what you love, you're not going to just be doing it for money. You're going to be doing it also in your spare time. I mean, it blows my mind. It really opened my eyes. So um, yeah, I do what I love, of course. And I interview people and, um, you know, help people on the coaching side. But uh, it's nice to think about it um, in terms of doing what you love, also just creating projects in the background that aren't necessarily uh, for an immediate uh, commercial gain. So um, yeah, love that. And uh, guys, it's now time for me to introduce my next guest. So my next guest on the show, his name is Joao. Uh, he, yeah, he uh, and I actually worked together in a previous project called A Million Stories. We had another talk show where we were going into these amazing cafes and businesses and bars in Amsterdam. And we were doing this sort of short documentary on them. It was just, yeah, super cool experience to also collaborate as Cherie even talks about you know that's one thing I was doing in that show was collaborating with someone else and anyway so Joao is a videographer he's from Portugal and also another really connected human being connected with himself doing what he loves um, as I said a videographer he's connecting and meeting with artists from all over the world musicians should I say and yeah, filming their gigs, uh, filming in one of the biggest and most famous uh, theaters in Amsterdam called Paradiso. I mean, we've had like the most famous people come in and out of that theater for many, many, many years. So if you look Paradiso up, then you'll you'll see all the the icons that have shown, um, yeah, shown their potential and works in that in that theater. So yeah, he's going to be sharing his story with us. Has an amazing story, so I can't wait to wait to share that with you guys as well. Also, gorgeous wisdoms to to take home from that interview. And um, yeah, guys, quick one again. Just yeah, anyone needing an interviewer, let me know. Jen at inspirationalinterviews.com. And for those of you guys looking to sort of maybe do some self-development program, then check out my, my yeah, my, my I keep wanting to say show, but check out my life school, genrod.com. And you'll see my one and only program. It's an amazing program. I've had such amazing feedback from it. It's called Get Your Story Straight. And yeah, it's basically what it says. Get your story straight. You know, find out what it is that you want in life. Find out who you are. And yeah, I created these tools um, about six years ago. And I've decided to put it online. So with with myself, so I'll also be um, having one-on-one contact with you. But it's in a group, a group of six people. Uh, but go read about it. It's genrod.com. You can find all the information there. And if you want to send me an email, you, well, you can connect with me via the website. In the meantime, guys, have an amazing week. Share this on with friends who enjoy stories. Any of your artist friends, friends who want to start their own businesses, want to connect with themselves, share it with your grannies who are sitting at home or your grandpas. And yeah, just want to hear cool life stories, you know. Um, there's a link that you can send this on to anyone. And uh, yeah, you can send it on through iTunes or Spotify and obviously through my website you just copy and paste the link and send it on so guys as I always say see you on the flip side